Welcome to the Hammond New Harvest Podcast. This is the It's Not Too Late series by Pastor Brian Shaver. In part three, Pastor Brian looks at John chapter 21, verse 15 to show us how it's not too late to begin again. Touch somebody next to you and tell them it's not too late. It is not too late. Those of you that have been here for this series so far, did you get anything out of it? Though I've watched you learning anything. Amen. I'm, I'm excited about today's, about today's word. Just have a word from the Lord. From John chapter 21, verses 15 through 17. We'll do some walking around, but we'll, we'll zero in on this at the end. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied, you know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. It's not too late to begin again. It's not too late to begin again. Would you pray with me? Pray for me. Stretch your hand this way. Ask the Lord to help me today so I don't waste your time. Father, we love you today. We thank you for your goodness, your, your grace, your blessings. Lord, we ask that you have your way in this place. Minister to us as only you can. I pray, God, for your anointing. I pray, God, that you'll clean this vessel and then you'll fill this vessel. And, God, I pray that out of the overflow of that, you'll minister to your people. It's not my talents, it's not my abilities, but it's your anointing. Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place, for without you, we'll fail miserably. But I pray, God, that you'll speak to us today, that you'll encourage someone today, that you'll uphold and uplift someone today. God, I pray that you'll touch somebody that simply needs to begin again, somebody that needs to start over. Let them know, God, it's not too late for that. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. Let the praise team know you appreciate them. Hallelujah. You, you, you met Eason. You, you may have met Clay. Clay's my, my younger son. One of the things that he's, he, one of his pastimes, and I, I, I admit I, I, don't, I don't fully understand it, one of his pastimes is, is he, he, video games, right? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Nobody going to raise their hand. Let me explain what a video game is. Uh, <laughs> and he, he likes the war games. And I mean, he, he, he gets into it. And I mean, he just, watch him play, and he's just full bore. I mean, just running. And, and so I, I said, well, let me try this. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a military guy. Let me try this. And so I just find a place to hunker down. And he's like, Dad, you're not, you're not doing anything. I said, I'm not getting killed. That's what I'm not doing. And, and, and he, which to me, that's what I always, was, I believe was, you know, if somebody moved in front of me, I'll shoot. Otherwise, I'm right here. And he's like, you're not scoring any points, Dad. You're, 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 you're just wasting time. He calls it camping. You're just camping and waiting for somebody to come by. That, there's no strategy in that. It makes, makes people mad. Does it make, make people mad when they do that? That's what I did. And, and I said, well, that, that's... What am I going to do? He said, man, get out there and get in the action. 
I said, well, what happens if you get killed? He said, you just start again. <laughs> just hit the reset button. Just, just begin again. Don't you wish life was like that? Don't you wish that sometimes we could just start over? When you do something stupid, you just hit the reset button and just begin again, right? Have you ever wished for a fresh start? Have you ever lived with a regret that you just wish you could erase, that you could just start over, that you could begin again? You thought, if I could just do that over again, that, that decision that you made, you thought, if, if I had that to do all over again, that, that decision you made that has forever affected your finances, if, if I could just do that over again, that marriage that failed, that you thought, man, if I could do, do that over again, that hurt that you caused, that you said, I, I wish I hadn't have done that, if I, could, if I had a redo, if I could do that over again, that thing that you said in anger that you can't take back, and you say, I, I wish I could do that over again. Do you ever wish you could just begin again? Life doesn't work like that. We, we can't reset. We can't just start over. Real life isn't a video game. Last week, we talked about how Jesus doesn't erase our past, but he does redeem our past. And that, that spoke to me. He doesn't erase what's behind us, but he redeems it. Well, what's that mean? Well, it, it sounds churchy almost. Well, he redeems our past. And people say, well, it sounds good, but really, what's that mean? It simply means this, that with Jesus, it's not too late to begin again. It's not too late to start over again. You may have heard the story of Simon Peter. He's, he's the most well-known out of all of the disciples. He is the face of the disciples. He's the spokesperson for the disciples. Simon Peter had some character traits that pushed him to the forefront of the disciples. He was, he was quick to talk. He was quick to act. He was impulsive. A lot of times he spoke without thinking first. You know anyone like that? I mean, just the, the open mouth, insert foot, just uh, before we think, as you speak, right? He, he has two names. His name is known as Simon, and his name is known as Peter. He, he, he was born Simon. His last name is Barjona, son of Jonah, or son of John. So that, that was his name. But at Caesarea Philippi, Jesus takes the disciples outside the city, and he asks them a question. He said, who do men say that I am? And they said, well, some say that you're, you're John the Baptist or one of the prophets. Some say you're this one, Elijah. You're, you're, you're that one. You're, and, and there's all kinds of rumors going about, about who you are. And then Jesus said, but the question on the floor is, who do you say? say I am. And Peter, being quick to speak, spoke up and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father, which is in heaven. And then Jesus says something profound. I say to you that you are Peter. He changes his name to Peter. Now understand something. Jesus says, you've been called Simon. Simon means pebble. Simon means inconsistent. Simon means unreliable. He said, but I'm going to call you Peter. Petra. It means rock. It means stable. It means consistent. It means reliable. And through Jesus' ministry, if you read through the Gospels, there are times that he would refer to, to Peter as Simon. It's usually when Peter was screwing up. He, he would get his attention and call him Simon. It was a reminder of who he used to be. You're acting like Simon again. I didn't call you to be Simon. I called you to be Peter. So Jesus would say Simon, and, and, and it, it was, anybody have a, have a mom that called you by your, by your 
whole name. Um, my, my first name is Samuel. I, yeah, I'm, I know you because me and you are in the same boat. Uh, my first name is Samuel. So when my mom said, Samuel Bryan, I cringed. It meant I was, I was in trouble. That's exactly right. <laughs> Somebody else had a mama like that right next to him. If, if, I heard, if I heard in the other part of the house, Deanna Kay, I was like, ooh. <laughs> there was a cringe that took place when she used our name like that. It meant you are in trouble. It meant you have done something and consequences are about to fall. When Jesus said, Simon, Peter had that reaction. Oh, I've done something. I'm in trouble. It reminded him that he was acting like his old nature, but that's not who Jesus had called him to be. Aren't you glad you're not who you used to be? Aren't you glad that because of Jesus, there's been a change in your life? I've got to praise him. There's some things that you'll never know about me if I can help it. There's some things in my past that I hope you never find out, but that's not me anymore, and if you do find out, I'll just tell you that's the old me. That's not me anymore. I'm not who I used to be because of Jesus Christ. You are a, if any man be in Christ, Paul said, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away and all things are become new. Look at somebody and tell them I'm not that person anymore. I know you remember this and that about me. I'm not that person anymore. I know you know my failures. I know you know my, my flaws. I know you know my reputation. I'm not that person anymore. I'm a brand new person in Jesus Christ. Somebody give him praise. Now, although I'm not who I used to be, sometimes, sometimes I find myself falling back into old patterns, into old behaviors. See, we see the story of Peter's greatest failure, his lowest moment. It's when Peter said he wished that he had done things different. He hurt the last person on the earth that he wanted to hurt. The background of Peter's failure is found in Matthew 26 and, and John 18, all the other Gospels. And the story is this. Jesus is sitting at the table with his disciples the night before he's about to be executed. He's going to be crucified. And he's sitting at the, at the, the table, and he says to them, every one of you are going to betray me tonight. Peter says, uh-uh, not me, Lord. I'll never leave you. I'll never betray you. Jesus said, Peter, before the rooster crows in the morning, you'll have denied me three times. Not me, Lord. Not me. I love you enough to die for you. I love you enough to lay down my life for you. Whatever it takes, I love you that much, Lord. In a few hours, Jesus is arrested. Peter follows from a distance, and he goes to the courthouse of the high priest and kind of shuffles in with the crowd, and he's, he's trying to get close enough to hear what's going on. And John's gospel points out, I've never seen this before, I love this, it points out that there was a charcoal fire, verse 18. Because it was cold, the household servants and the guards had made a charcoal fire. They stood around it warming themselves, and Peter stood with them warming himself. Let's step into the text. Peter sneaks in. It's a chilly night. He's been up all night trying to stay up all night with Jesus. And he is cold, and he goes, and there's a smell of that charcoal, that fire. You know, charcoal has a distinct smell. And, and he, he smells that, and he, 
leans in over that fire and smells that charcoal and he's warming himself and everything's running through his mind and all of a sudden a young girl comes up to him and says, you, you are with him. No, ma'am, not me. You got the wrong guy. He leans over that fire and smells that charcoal and somebody else comes up and says, you, were, you got an accent, something about the way you talk. I know you were with him. He, he said, no, 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 no. You, you got the wrong person. I do not know the man. The third time they come to him, he curses and says, I don't know him. One translation says that he called curses down on himself. A commentator said this, hang with me, commentator said that Peter said, let me be damned if I know him. That's heavy. When Peter calls those curses down on himself, there's a commotion next to him, and they are ushering Jesus through the courtyard. And Peter looks up, and his eyes lock with Jesus. And he sees the hurt of betrayal in the eyes of Jesus. And Peter's crushed. He has just failed the Lord, and he goes out and he weeps bitterly. The message, David read the message, started. The message says he cried and cried and cried. This was more than a slip of the tongue. Three times, Peter displayed absolute failure. He had left everything to follow Jesus, and now he's betrayed him. He has rejected Jesus publicly. It's too late for him. How do you come back from that? I mean, how do you rebound? How do you say, I'm sorry for that? How, how do you move on from that point of, of absolute failure? He has rejected Jesus at the time when Jesus needs comfort the most. When Jesus needed somebody to stand by his side, that's when Peter decided he was going to deny that he even... How do you come back from that? How do you begin again? How do you start over? Where's the reset button? Have you ever seen when it's just too late to start over? When it's too late to begin again? Let, 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 let's talk after the marital affair. How, how do you come back from that? After the, the temper is lost and, and, and things got physical or violent, how, how, do you, how do you come back from that? When hurtful words are spoken and you say something that cuts the person you love to the heart, how do, how do you come back from How do you start over? It, it, it's too late, right? After I've given into temptation and broken my promise to God, how do, I, how do I start over? The parent who looks at their child and feels like they've, they've missed the vital years of their child's life, and they weren't there when they, when they wanted to be, and they weren't there when they should have been, and now the child has grown, and they say, well, it's too late. I failed at the most crucial times. How do we come back from that? I can't start over. So how does Peter possibly recover from this? When Peter promised Jesus that he would stand by his side, he meant it. He wasn't just giving lip service. He meant it with all his heart. I won't betray you. I won't fail you. I promise you I'll die with you. I wonder if there's anyone here who's ever made promises. 
to God. And, and you meant it when you said it. I'm going to do better, God, this time. I'm going to do better. I'm going to be a better Christian this time. I'm, I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to be a better spouse. I'll be a better husband. I'll be a better wife this time. I, I'm, I'm going to be a better parent, God. I promise you. That I, I really mean it this time. God, I'm going to be a giver. I'm, I'm not going to be greedy. I'm going to be a faithful tither this time. I'm going to do it. I'm going to grow in prayer. God, I'm, I'm going to pray. I'm, I'm going to spend time with you this time. I really mean it. I promise. I'm going to do more for God than I've ever done before. This time, I really I really mean it, God. I, I, I promise you. I'm going to draw closer to Jesus this time. I pro- Is there anybody here that's ever made those promises to God? And you really meant it when you said it. You weren't just doing, doing lip service. It wasn't just something you were just saying. You really meant it when you gave him your promise. Here's what Paul said. I have discovered this principle of life. Here's the principle. That when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what's wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power within me that's at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that's still within me. Does anybody relate to that passage of Scripture? We see that every day. We battle that every day. When, when you, you say, God, this time I'm going, I really mean it. And then the day comes and we find ourselves struggling and we find ourselves falling and we find ourselves failing. We really want to please God, but there's that weakness on the inside of us, that part of us that we don't stand up in the church and talk about, but we know that it's there. That part of us that we hope nobody else sees, but on the inside of us, we know it lurks beneath the surface, that greed, that lust, that unforgiveness, that jealousy, that pride, that fear, that thing that lingers underneath us, and we say, I really promise God, but on the inside of us we find ourselves broken time and time again we tell God I will not fail I will not fall I'm going to change and we really mean it but we're broken I was talking to somebody not too long ago, and we were talking about, about the church, and they were attending a support group, and they said, can I just be honest with you? They said, I feel connected with the people in that group sometimes more than I feel connected with the people in my church. Why is that? I said, because the people in the group are just open, and they walk in and say, I'm broken. I've got this issue, and they hold it out. But in the church, we haven't learned how to do that. We need to learn how to take the, 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 the concept out of the church basement and move it into the church sanctuary to where we're able to come in here and say, I'm really broken. I need God to do something in me. We have to create a culture where we can take the mask off and be honest with each other. We have to create a culture where we can say, I have a failure and I need God to help me. There's those times we feel like Peter. Give the Lord praise. So, so how do we come back from that? How do we come back from failure when it's too late to begin again? When we've broken our promises to God, to others, to ourselves, and we feel shattered and we're broken in all the areas of relationship that we talk about. Can I be honest? Can I, can I really be honest? It's not my past that I'm embarrassed by. It's not the things in my past that I hope you don't find out. It, it, it's not my, my history behind me that I worry about. If you find out about it, I'll just tell you, hey, that's under the blood. You know what I'm embarrassed by? 
my present, my here and now. Not the things I used to struggle with. I'm embarrassed by the things that I struggle with today. Today's failures. Today's broken. Is it all right for the pastor to just be real with you? I can stand up here and act like I don't have that, but if you want me to be real with you, uh, let's just be real. Now, you can look at me and say, well, our pastor's messed up. Well, I'm looking at you too. The fact of the matter is we're broken. <laughs> Everybody in the house is broken. How do I begin again when I fail again and it's too late? Can you imagine what Simon Peter felt? All hope was lost. He had failed Jesus. It Thursday night, I won't fail you. Wee hours Friday morning, he has denied him three times before the rooster gets up. Then he goes through Friday, and he is hearing or witnessing, we don't know, the execution of Jesus. Jesus is dead by Friday afternoon. He is dead. How do you come back from that? I can't even apologize. He died knowing I betrayed him. Imagine that Friday night. He goes through that Friday night. I don't think he slept much that night. He died knowing I betrayed him. Saturday morning comes early, and he's laying there, has not slept. His eyes swollen from a night of bitter weeping, and he's gone. I can't even tell him I'm sorry. How do I come back from this? This is too, no reset button. How do I start over all day that Saturday? That was a sad Sabbath for Peter. It's over. He's gone. But on Sunday, anybody here know the Bible story? Can we have a little bit of Easter here this morning? On Sunday, the stone is rolled away. Jesus takes a breath and gets up and steps out of the tomb. What's that mean today? The very fact that Jesus is not in the tomb tells me it's not too late for Peter. The fact that Jesus is not in the tomb says it's not too late for you. The fact that Jesus is not in the tomb says it's not too late for me. It's not to touch somebody and tell them it's not too late. It's not too late for you. How do you know? Because Jesus is alive. I know you failed him, but he is alive today, seated at the right hand of the Father, making intercession, praying for you and me. That's the blessed hope that we have. It's not too late for me because I have a risen Lord and Savior who is alive and well. Somebody give him praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Don't believe the lie when somebody says, too late for you. Not as long as Jesus is alive. Well, the text we read was from John 21. This takes place after the resurrection. Peter's still struggling with his failures. And Peter tells some other disciples, going fishing. That's what he was doing when Jesus found him. Talked about it in Sunday school. I'm going to go back to what I know, done with this preaching stuff. It's too late for me anyway. How do I start over? How do I come back from that? You know the story. They're, they're fishing. It's foggy morning. They see the image of somebody on the shore. Can't tell who it is. 
kind of a haze over the water. They smell fish cooking, which is an insult because they had caught nothing all night long. And then the, that smart aleck question, have you caught anything? <laughs> no. Throw your net on the other side of the boat. They throw the net on the other side of the boat and catch 153, I believe, large fish. The Bible points that out. And John says, that's Jesus. Peter jumps out of the boat and swims to shore. Got to get to Jesus. It is a cool morning, hazy, and he gets out out of the boat, I mean, out of, out of the water, comes, and Jesus has a fire, a charcoal fire. I've never seen this before, never. There are two places in the New Testament that specifies a charcoal fire. One is in the Old Testament, three places in all the Bible, I believe, that I could find that specify a charcoal fire. One in Proverbs, only two in the New Testament, and they're both in the Gospel of John. One is at, G at Peter's failure at his denial, and the other is right here, here by the seashore. Now, now, let's step into the text again. Peter gets out of the water, and he's wet, and he's cold. He has just swam to shore, and there's a fire, and he leans into that fire and smells that charcoal. Mm. Charcoal has that distinct smell. Gas grills don't hold a candle to a charcoal smell, do they? Smells that, and, and he's got his eyes closed and feels the heat, smells the charcoal, and his mind immediately goes back to just a couple weeks earlier when he was leaning over that fire. And his failure starts running through his mind again. And he opens his eyes and looks, and Jesus is locked on him. Ladies and gentlemen, this Jesus has set him up right here. He set him up for this moment. He put him in this position right here. He, he's, uh, Peter, there's something we got to discuss. I'm not going to just ignore it. We're going to hit this head on. And he asked Peter three times, do you love me. Why do you think he asked him three times? Because three times Peter said, I don't know him. Three times he says, do you love me? One time for each betrayal. After breakfast, Jesus asked Peter, Simon. They've been calling Peter, Simon, and Peter cringes. Oh, this is about to get real right here. This is about, he's about to get in my business. He's, I, I have messed up. Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Have you ever find, found, he's, he's saying to him, you're acting like you used to act. You're, you're acting like a pebble. You've been acting inconsistent. You've been acting unreliable. You've been acting like the old you, but, but this isn't who I called. I didn't call you to go back to what you used to do. Why are you doing out here fishing? I've got a call for you. I've got a ministry 
ministry for you. Anybody here ever find yourself acting like you used to act? We don't like to talk about it. But you ever have that old nature creep up on you again, and that, that's the old you, the old way, the old habits, the old temper, and all of a sudden you find yourself in the old pattern of life again and again? That's what Jesus is doing. He reminds you, wait a minute, that's not who I've called you to be. That's the old you. So what do I do? How do I fix it? How do I undo what I've done? And Jesus said, do you love me? There's something we miss in the Greek, and I, I wasn't going to bring this out. I brought it out before, and Debbie said, that's what makes the sermon for me. So in the Greek, and, and if you ever want to check up on me on the Greek, say, well, I don't believe all this stuff about the Greek, blueletterbible.org. It's a free website. You can hit the tools, pulls the Greek up. You can look word by word. Here's what, there are four words for love in the Greek. One is agape. Agape love means I will die for you. It's the love that God has for us. That's exactly what Jesus did. He died for us. The second is phileo love. It means friend. I like you a lot. It's like someone said, I love you, man. Right? It means we're friends. We're tight. The third is storge love. It's the love of a parent with a child. And the fourth is eros, where we get the word erotic. It literally means romantic love. Jesus asks Peter, do you love me? The Greek word he uses is agape. Do you agape? Peter, here's Peter over that fire. Peter, you love me enough to die for me? And Peter says something interesting. In the English, Peter says, Lord, you know I love you. In the Greek, Peter says, Lord, I phileo you. If we put it in English translation, Jesus says, Peter, you love me enough to die for me? And Peter says, I like you. I like you. I've been down that road. I've already made that promise. I already stuck my foot in my mouth once. That's a long two days for me, Jesus. I'm, I'm, not about, I'm not about to go down that road again. Jesus asked him a second time, Peter, do you agape me? Peter says, Lord, you know I like you. We're, we're friends. You love me enough to die for me? Let's be friends. The third time, I love this. Look it up. It's in the Greek. Jesus said, Peter, do you phileo me? Do you like me? Peter said, Lord, you know. You know I like you. And Jesus says, feed my sheep. The powerful thing of this, Jesus is saying, Peter's just being real. I don't, I don't have it. I love you, but not like I want to love you. I'm just, I, I, I believed I love you more than I did. But God, I, I want to love you more. And Jesus said, well, let's start with where you are. I'll, you like me? I'll take it. And I'll use you. Here's the heart of the question. You may have failed miserably. And you may feel like you can never get back or you can never start over. You may feel like you'll never get back to where you once were with the Lord. Maybe you feel like it's, it's too late to begin again. Do you love Jesus? Do you have an 
something in your heart that says, Lord, I, I, I don't love you enough, but there's something in me that wants to love you more. But Brian, I failed. But do you love him? You don't know how I've fallen. Do you love him? You don't know what I've done. Do you love Jesus? Is there something inside of you, even if it's not what you want it to be right now? God, there's something in me that really wants to please you. Is there something really deep inside of you that says, Lord, I feel like such a failure, but I love you. I, I like you. I want to love you more. It's not too late for you to begin again. Give the Lord praise. Now, let's step further. This isn't in the Greek. This is in my imagination. It is Saturday morning, years later. Years later, Peter, Peter is, is a little older now, and, and he gets up on that Saturday morning, and he's getting ready to cut his grass, and here comes his neighbor, and he's striking up that charcoal grill. He's having steaks on the grill, and Peter smells that charcoal. What do you think he thought about? What could have been his greatest failure is now his greatest forgiveness. I want to tell you that place in your life that brings back such shame to you, that place in your life that you're reminded of your greatest failure, if you'll let the Lord have that place in your life, it'll be the place of your greatest forgiveness. The thing that the enemy thought would use to destroy you, it'll be a testimony in your life. And you'll look back and say, yeah, I really messed up there but wasn't God's grace good I really failed there but wasn't God awesome in my life and he picks us up and we look back not hiding from our past but standing on the grace of almighty God stand to your feet and give him praise hallelujah somebody praise him like you had the opportunity to begin again bless the Lord Bless the Lord. Praise him like he's picked you up. Praise him like he started you over. Praise him like he turned you around. Praise him like it's not too late for you. Somebody bless the Lord. It's not too late to start over. It's not too late to begin again. It's not too late to have a fresh day in your life. It's not too late to stand on his grace. It's not too late to stand on his promises. It's not too late for you to hit the reset button with the Lord Jesus Christ and pick your head up and say, God's able to use me. Even in the midst of my failures, he can do something brand new in my life. Should love him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I turned the air down. I got cold. And now I'm cooking. <laughs> if you're here this morning, let, let's, let's, let's get real. I, I try to be as honest as I can with you about me because I don't want, I don't want you to feel like you're the only one in here that says, I, I got some failures. I got some struggles. Now here's the risk at that. I can look at a hundred and some people and say, you're not the only one in here. I'm messed up and I'm broken. And then make an altar call and you look at me and I'm the only one up here and I feel like I'm the only one messed up and broken. If you're here today and you say, I need to begin again. 
I need to know it's not too. There are things in my life that I wish I could just start over. How do I come back from that? How do I redo that? How do I undo what I did? He doesn't erase our past. He redeems our past. Which means we look back at our past and it becomes a testimony of the goodness of God in our lives. If you're here this morning, you say, I need, I need to begin again. The Lord is alive. It's not too late for you to begin again. If that's you this morning, I want you to come and we're going to pray. Thanks for tuning into the Hammond New Harvest podcast. Hammond New Harvest Church is located at 1421 173rd Street in Hammond, Indiana. For news and events, follow us on facebook.com slash Hammond New Harvest. We are the perfect church for people who aren't.